0: Back shadows to another episode of the Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrive with me, Ex Benedict,
1: and me, Alison Barton Simmons.
0: No catchphrase.
1: No, I, I, I think I've I've won myself out from from last last week. I think with with my Heidi high.
0: Well, to be fair, that was my last one on my list, so I don't know what we am going <laughs> to do next week.
1: <laughs> I need to put the effort in this week.
0: There's only there's only a finite amount that you're happy to repeat, isn't there? Certainly from the seventies and eighties.
1: I have to double-check sometimes, I have to Google some things just to make sure that I'm not coming out with something massively racist that oh, was God, a catchphrase yeah. in the 70s.
0: When I was a teenager, I picked up on the phrase, oh, do you think I came over on the last banana boat? Okay. And I didn't realise that that was like a a, re- a racist statement, a racist remark. So you
1: were wandering around saying this to people and... Yeah. Oh, heck.
0: <laughs> yeah, you live and learn, don't you? You do. Racism, of course, being a hot topic for this week's episode...
1: That was a good segue.
0: It, uh, yes, I was quite proud of that, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even scripted. Because this week's episode of Faulty Towers that we're deep diving is, of course, Series 1, Episode 6, The Germans.
1: The Germans.
0: Which was riddled with controversy after after what happened last year. Um, but before we get stuck into talking about that, remember that you can watch along w- and listen along with us by watching the episodes on Daily Motion for free via Naughty Links that we share on our social media or on Britbox and various other places. It's on BBC iPlayer, isn't it? Because. It is. Because I, I believe BBC iPlayer is only a catch up service, not a streaming service. They can only put things on that have recently been on BBC broadcast channels.
1: You can watch live TV on there as well.
0: Right. But. So when people are moaning that certain shows aren't on there that are like. Um, classics it's because they haven't been broadcast recently isn't it
1: yes yeah they, yeah you're right You've, they've got to have been on tv recently and, and and things go on and come off as and when they're they're, they're on mm. live tv yeah you're right but
0: because faulty towers has been on tv recently yes it's all on there so fill your boots
1: it's on there indeed
0: it's a controversial episode or at least it's seen as one in some quarters Yes. So we're just, actually, rather than, rather than discussing it as, as we get to the scenes in question, we're going to just discuss what happened last year, uh, now, and get it out of the way before we get into yeah. the deep dive so it doesn't distract us. So in, in mid-2020, last year, the episode was removed from BBC-controlled UK TV catch-up streaming service, Yep. citing racial slurs. But interestingly, Netflix and, and Britbox just carried on showing it with, with a warning that said, contains some racist language and upsetting scenes yeah upsetting scenes i'm not really sure was that relevant <laughs>
1: um it well it was in 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 the wake of the george floyd protests in in june wasn't it last year yeah um, and i don't it wasn't for a, it wasn't for a sort of like a prolonged period of time that it was it was taken off but it was it was like days i think that it was, it was. moved
0: they restate, restate reinstated it within within the week but yeah. you know the way the press liked to flame a culture war by blowing things out of proportion. Yeah. And to be fair, John Cleese didn't help. <laughs> but um Yeah. Yeah, it was only off it was only off the off the air, off the streaming service for a week. Interestingly, most people assumed it was because of the Germans thing, the goose stepping and all the, the you know, Kraut references. Mm, Initially. People wasn't. didn't realise yeah. that it was to do with the major using racial slurs because he's representative of that old colonial attitudes, you know absolutely dated attitudes that we our generation saw in our grandparents
1: when when John Cleese was asked about about this, um, his opinion was that the major this is what he said he said the major was an old fossil left over from decades before. we were not supporting his views, we were making fun of them. If people are, t- are too stupid to see that, what can one say? Yeah. So he was he was sort of holding the, the the major up who had used racist language to describe people um, in India and in the West Indies and he was being held up as a as a as a figure of ridicule almost and John Cleese was of the opinion that if people can't see that we're holding this person up as, as, as a person of ridicule, then what could I say? That's that's their fault, that's their problem.
0: Yeah, and I hundred percent agree with him. Yeah. In that statement, some of the other statements he made around the time were a little bit more inflammatory, maybe. Okay, yeah. Um, because I think it was a good excuse for people on the right to castigate the Black Lives Matter movement as being woke snowflakes. Mm-hmm. Whereas yep. in reality, the the decision was taken by white men in suits to, to take yeah. this off the air. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, actually, the other thing to say about this is back in 2013... They'd already removed that scene from broadcasts, yeah. Without without there being a big fuss about it, and Cleese had approved them doing that. It's only because in twenty twenty with the with the climate, with the George Floyd thing, that yep. it was it became such a huge story. And let's be honest, if it wasn't Faulty Towers, if it was some lesser known sitcom, yeah, then the fuss wouldn't have existed.
1: Do you think that's why people didn't quite realise that the scenes in question? weren't the the germans scenes that were towards the end of the episode that there were the the the, the major's opinions um the fact that they'd been that those scenes had been taken out previously do you think that's why people were a bit confused over what the issue actually was
0: possibly um well, people are very quick to draw conclusions without even reading the articles a lot of the time
1: Yeah,
0: people just see a headline and, and don't even read it and go oh, this is this is outrageous yeah the mm-hmm. amount of times you see that on social media yeah. Like, have you actually read the read the piece? Yeah. There's so much of that going on. Because at the same time this happened, there was also um blackface in comedy such as Bo Selector, League of Gentlemen, Mighty Boosh yeah. and uh, Little Britain as well, I think, were also yep. pulled uh-huh. because blackface isn't a very kind way of getting laughs. It's not a um culturally appropriate thing to do anymore. Yeah. So, I guess there's nuance at play between language and physical comedy like that, which is, you know, the act of, of blacking up, as they used to call it. Yeah. To me, context is everything. Whether they, the minority depicted is the target of the humour. Yeah. Or whether whether it's even necessary to extract humour from the situation. It, it's. I, I just think that people don't apply context in the way that they used to. Yeah. There was um, an example, which is Vigo Mortensen, when he was in a film a couple of years ago. I forget the name of the film, actually. I think he's one of my favourite actors, Viggo Mortensen. Mm. I think he may have won oscar well, not Oscars, but awards. He was in a film from the 19, set in the 1940s. He was driving a, a piano player around America. Do you know the one I mean?
1: Yes, I do know which one you mean, yeah. I
0: can't think of it. Is it Green something? Green Room? Green, might be. People know what I mean. But um, when he was being interviewed in press junkets and everything, he referred to the commonplace use of the N-word at that time. Okay. And he was, as is so often the case, he was pulled over the coals for using the word. But he wasn't using the word as a a pejorative term. He was saying people used the word. Okay. So whilst language is important, he is actually just citing that people used the word. God. He's not saying the word in conversation himself. And I think that's a really crucial difference. And. There is a very strong argument that because language matters, nobody should be saying the word anymore, but that doesn't really fly across all cultures. So it's really difficult. I mean, I think of like some of these South American footballers who come over and have, um, they use the word Negrito, because that was Luis Suarez's famous defence for being openly racist. Yeah. It's a difficult one. And it's difficult as well for people like us who are, most people would say, white and privileged. mm to sit in judgment, I think.
1: Absolutely. Green Book, it was called.
0: Green Book, nice one. What did you say before? Green Room. Green Room. <laughs> that was just the warm-up for the interview was That's in the Green Room. That's probably where he said <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> before he went on, yeah.
0: <laughs> I've got some other quotes from John Cleese about this ban. Okay. It's not just stupidity. The BBC is now run by a mixture of marketing people and petty bureaucrat. oh, bureaucrats.
1: Bureaucrats. yeah. yep.
0: It used to have a large sprinkling of people who'd actually made programs, not anymore. So BBC decisions are made by persons whose main concern is not losing their jobs. So he used he used the attention, in my opinion, as a way of getting some of his beefs aired yeah. with the BBC. Because yeah. he, he is certainly a man with beef. Uh, he also says, I would have hoped someone on the BBC would understand that there are two ways of making fun of human behaviour. One is to attack it directly. The other is to have someone who is patently a figure of fun speak up on behalf of that behaviour, which is, a, I think, a, a very um, eloquent way of putting it. That's exactly yeah. what these scenes were. Of course, the other thing I, I, I wanted to say about this, really, was that in 2061, 40 years from now, mm. anyone who was listen, listening to us on the podcast or any anything from this time we'll probably pick up on something that's not acceptable then.
1: That's it. As times move on, things just change, don't they? Things move in and out of being acceptable and we 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 learn and just crack on, don't we? Yeah,
0: but I guess the issue is how we handle these historical artifacts of potentially Yeah. they they show stereotypes that portray attitudes of the time. Do we yeah. do, do we whitewash them? No pun intended, but do we do we, yep. do we remove them from history or do we leave them there as a sort of teachable moment and discuss them openly and, and you know, without resorting to labels like snowflakes, which are reductive and...
1: Yeah, we've had this conversation in, in, in my family quite recently, we had this conversation um, with, with family members of all different generations, and it was with regards to the statues, you know, around the same time as, um, sure. as this was all taking place last year. And, and it was like, well, what what's the right thing to do with with these statues because they, they are historical artifacts and do we do we still have them in place to be discussed and talked about but leaving them in place does that leave them are we still celebrating despite the fact of of what's been drawn
0: to mm. the attention
1: now but that was always there so what's made it different now and it, it was it was a really interesting conversation to have amongst different ages within within a family. And it was hard to sort of uh, have a meeting of minds, I suppose, not agreeing to disagree, but being open to, to understanding somebody else's point of view.
0: Yeah, progression doesn't come through censorship ever. Exactly, so yeah. it's always better to be able to discuss these things and, and have yeah. open and honest conversations.
1: And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable conversations. But I think being open and willing to, to discuss these things despite discomfort is... What moves things onwards, I think. I feel the only way forward is to have uncomfortable, difficult conversations.
0: One final postscript to this. In April of this year, the BBC actually broadcast the episode of The Germans, not very mm-hmm. long ago, and it renewed the controversy. But ironically, the racist scene, or rather the major's racist thoughts, yeah. were were missing. So the fuss had moved on to be about the German stereotypes at this point. Yeah. Oh, they, they broadcast that episode with, without people actually thinking the fuss was actually about the, the major.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But now, of course, Basil does call the Germans a krauts. Yeah. So people just love a kerfuffle, I think, is the, is the lesson we can take from this.
1: I had to Google the, the specific scene because obviously when I watched it on the iPlayer, it, the, the, the major scene wasn't in. Right. So I had to Google it to find it, and, um, and it is on there to, to, to watch. I think it was it was it was embedded within something else. It wasn't just on on like YouTube or anything. So I, I found that quite interesting that I had to watch that as like a standalone scene mm. rather than it being amongst the um, the rest of the scene, the rest of the um, episode.
0: Well, the video that we'll embed onto our notes page for this episode will have the full unabridged version. If you wish to see the Germans in its entirety, including the major's racist words, I feel like we should. <laughs> We shouldn't have to, but it feel like saying like a caveat that it doesn't represent our views. But yeah, I think
1: people, I think people know that
0: it's obvious it doesn't. Yeah, of course. So, having prefaced the episode with this deconstruction of 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 the uh, fuss from last year and and indeed earlier this year, should we get stuck into talking about the episode proper and do a deep dive of series one, episode six? Let's do that. So this is the only episode not to start with the sign, isn't it, famously? Oh,
1: it threw me. It threw me. I kept watching for the, um, the sign on the front of the hospital going a bit wonky and like letters falling off.
0: Well, that would have been funny.
1: I think they missed a trick there.
0: I'd have thought you'd like that hospital because it oh, was dark and Gray in 70s.
1: Oh, it's proper brutalist, art. Yeah. Concrete. <laughs> All my favourite things.
0: <laughs> so Sybil's in hospital with an ingrown toenail. She's having an operation. Basil does seem worried about it to begin with, doesn't he? He's asking if she's got everything that she needs and is she going to be all right? Yeah. But that doesn't last.
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And it already got my back up that she'd gone into hospital for a few, for a few days for an ingrowing toenail.
0: She, I imagine she really annoyed you despite not hardly being in the episode. <laughs> yeah, um, she, she was did. nagging him from minute one, mentioning the fire drill. Yes. Which, to be honest, why would you have a fire drill when there's only Basil there?
1: Oh, it was already... She was setting him up. I think she was setting him up for failure.
0: Maybe. I mean, she's... She's nagging away at him in this hospital bed, um, to fetch her this and do this and do the other, and she wants the moose's head put up. But she's just sat there like a lazy bastard as usual when she could have. There was something on her bed she could have reached for, but she made Vassal go and get it.
1: That irritated me. I did make a note about that. Uh, the one, the one job that stuck out to me was that she'd forgotten to scrape the mold off the cheddar this morning, and that <laughs> Faulty had to do it when he got back to the hotel. Ugh, yuck.
0: She does. She does have a good line in this opening scene, though, because when they're talking about the moose, Basil says it'll it lend the lobby a certain ambience. It has a touch of style about it, and she says, yeah. it has a touch of mange about it."
1: <laughs> that moose! Oh my goodness! It did look. It did look like it was riddled with.
0: was horrible, of things. wasn't it? Yeah, it was. But before we get to seeing the moose, a bossy matron type figure bustles in, doesn't she? And yes. Basil's immediately taken against her, and he's he's sort of openly antagonising. This woman, isn't he? Because she is a bossy. So sort of, she is. She, she is that stereotype, isn't
1: she? She is. She is, and I think Basil um, thinks that he's being spoken to like a dog by the matron because she is quite bossy.
0: Yeah, but uh, as he leaves, he says, "Ingrow and toenail, right foot. You'll find it on the end of the leg." <laughs> sort of leaving on a um, on a put down almost. And then as he goes into the corridor, he bumps into the doctor, and he physically recoils. He does he? Does. And I don't know what that was about, but I know some people have claimed that that was. Uh, representative of Basil's uh, racist um opinions.
1: Yeah, possibly, possibly.
0: We should mention the doctor, of course, was a sort of African gentleman, wasn't he, with a with an accent?
1: Yeah, and it, he shakes his hand. He does shake his hand when he realises that he's he's Sybil's um doctor and someone of a a, a huge degree of importance mm. in in Sybil's life that day because he's going to be the one that's operating on her.
0: I think, though, in the sixties and seventies, from what my parents have told me that. Positions like doctor and bank manager held so much more um, kudos or gained you so much more kudos with the public, you know. You were, oh, God, it's a doctor, you know. They were seen as people to respect far more than they are now. Yeah. Which um, I'm not sure is a good or a bad thing, really. You could argue either way.
1: Just as an an aside to that, the actor that played um, the doctor, Louis Mahoney... He was a Gambian actor who was an anti-racist activist and he campaigned for racial equality within the acting profession. Oh, good for Which I thought was quite interesting.
0: I watched a show the other day about Dark as How, not a show, a TV show that dramatised a lot of uh, the Windrush Generation stories. All right. right, yep. And it was this first one was, it was Dark as How and the legal battle that they faced around, was it the Mangrove, the, the cafe? Yes,
1: oh, I have seen this. Yes, I did see that.
0: I recommend that. I really enjoyed Mm. it. BBC thing, I think, isn't
1: it? Yes, yes.
0: I recommend something that I can't remember what it's actually called. Never mind. You'll find it if you're interested enough. (laughs) The doctor tells uh, Basil that um, it's going to be quite painful for Sybil. As soon as he's out of sight and earshot, Basil sort of claps his hands together in glee and walks off whistling, doesn't he? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And back at the hotel, he's still full of of joie de vivre.
1: Yeah, he claps at the end of the scene with the doctor, but then he does the same clap as he's walking into the reception of the hotel.
0: He does, yeah. It's almost like a continuity he's just, clap. He just it? clapped,
1: all the, he's just clapped all the way home.
0: And he's still, he's still full of beans, and he's yeah. he's conversing with the major, who's in full sort of dementia mode, isn't he? At this this point, he's asking
1: yeah. over
0: Elsie, who left like two years ago.
1: Evening, major. It's evening, Forty.
0: Hampshire one. And he he can't remember Sybil's name. He says, how's... uh, um, And then, of course, he goes on a diatribe about women, which is briefly amusing. He says, I knew one once. And that leads to his anecdote about the cricket and Indians and West Indians, which we've already covered.
1: It it goes from bad to worse, because it's quite a confusing conversation to start off with, with lots of misunderstandings. And then it just goes, yeah, it just goes off on one.
0: There's lots of sort of fast misunderstandings in this yeah. conversation as to whether they're talking about Indians or women yeah. or Germans in fact
1: yeah.
0: and ba- Basil says women have, have minds like Swiss cheese and the major says what do you mean hard <laughs> he says no full of holes Basil tells the major at this point about the imminent arrival of the Germans which in itself leads to a, another sort of vitriolic outburst he says bunch of krauts that's all they are all of them bad eggs
1: Oh, boo the major
0: but Basil's response to that was quite funny, and and quite um, insightful to his own prejudices because he says, "Well, yes, forgive and forget, Major. God knows how the bastards." <laughs> <laughs> because he is the next generation, and he can't help retaining some of those, some of those
1: the overhanging feelings around the Second World War.
0: Yeah, exactly, he's, he's he's taking them on as we all do. We take on the traits of our parents and our parents generation sometimes i think i said this last week to you possibly offline that i'll say something and i think where did that come from
1: yeah that's
0: not even my opinion
1: yeah I it's don't just think something that. you yeah. suddenly
0: heard you might i've heard my mother or my father talk through me so yes. I, <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it's true it's true isn't
0: it basil after this uh after this unfortunate scene basil mm. goes and retrieves the moose's head from from the office to work out where to put it on the wall and what is on the top on the top of the display cabinet directly adjacent Alison, did you notice
1: I didn't. What is it?
0: Pampas grass.
1: I didn't. No, I did. I am lying. I did notice the pampas grass because I made a mental note to, to, to I, I didn't write it down, but there was there was a display of pampas grass in a basket.
0: Do we think at this point that possibly the Germans are coming to a swinging convention?
1: <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Yes. It's a swinging convention. Oh God, that'd just oh that'd just throw Basil, wouldn't it? He'd be inside out with with embarrassment and yeah. misunderstandings.
0: You imagine later on when he comes back with concussion and he walks into the hotel and it's like something from Eyes Wide Shut.
1: Oh my God! But with all the with all the the goings on between him and Manuel the other week when Manuel went out for his birthday, and then they ended up on the floor. The Germans would have just thought they were just part, just part of it. Obviously, the, yeah. the game, the game.
0: Kurt would have been back hoping to get in with Manuel.
1: Oh, God. I hope they've got a safe word. And I am from Barcelona.
0: So do you really think that was a moose's head? Because it looked rather flimsy, like the walls of faulty Towers.
1: The 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 antler kept flopping. He had a floppy antler.
0: Yeah, but it looked like it was made of plaster of Paris to me.
1: It did. I don't think it was. I think it was It was a, a creation. An artistic creation, not an actual moose head.
0: Not very convincing.
1: No, not at all.
0: Well, Basil's trying to put it on a wall, but unfortunately for him, um, it's snifter o'clock for the major, isn't it? He's yes. ready for his first whiskey, he and he says, "No, no, no, hurry, faulty!" But he clearly wants wants him to get behind the bar. Yep. Um, and he's he, he's trying to finish this this stuff with the moose, but then the phone rings. So Basil, having called for Polly and Manuel, who don't come running, he has to, and he gets down off the ladder and puts the moose um, on the reception desk. Answers the phone, and of course it's Sybil. I was just doing it, you stupid woman. I just put it down to come here to be reminded by you to do what I'm already doing. Mean, what is the point of reminding me to do what I'm already doing? I mean, what is the bloody point? I'm doing it, aren't I? Nagging him to do the very thing that she just disrupted him from doing.
1: Oh, see, why, why is she not just putting her feet up and literally just enjoying the peace and quiet?
0: Well, in the end, Basil just hangs up on her. He says, anything yeah, else but- you want. The hotel moved a little to the left. Just- LAUGHTER he just hangs up on him. Who can blame him? Manuel turns up late, responding to Basil's call. Far too late for Basil's liking, but Basil wants him to get a hammer, but of course he doesn't understand and he thinks he's asking him for a ham sandwich.
1: Yeah, so instead yeah. he
0: says, I'll get the hammer. Yes. You You tidy up and he sends him behind reception where he starts sort of faffing around, I guess. And he sort of goes down on his hands and knees, sort of out of view. And as he's down there, he's practising his English, and he's practising his pronunciation and his English accent, and he's saying things like, I speak English very well. And, uh, of course, the major at this point wanders back into the lobby, turns around and sees the moose's head, and assumes, like a dotty old bastard perhaps would, that what we've got here is a talking moose head.
1: Of course, because that's the first thing that you would think, that it's a chatting moose head. How are
0: you, sir? (laughs)
1: I can speak English <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hello,
0: Major. How are you today? <laughs> I, 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 I'm fine, thank you It's a beautiful day today <laughs> Is it? Oh, yes, yes, I, I suppose it is Yes, I can speak English <laughs> I learned it from a book Did you? Did you? Uh, uh, I like the stutter from the Major, though, in his panic. I I, I, am I, 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 very well, thank you.
1: Yeah, he answered it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so he has a full conversation with the moose. And then um, Polly comes in with the flowers to make reception look nice. And I thought, what's all that about? But it was just a set-up for another physical gag, really, yes, wasn't it?
1: yeah.
0: And shortly after that, Sybil f- calls again to make sure Basil's putting the moose up. I mean, what's going through her brain?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, This made me laugh, though, because as soon as he answered the phone, he just says, I'm doing it now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he knows it's her. Yeah. And then you get a slapstick scene as the moose head falls on top of Basil immediately after he thinks he's successfully put it on the wall. Yes. And then he trips over Manuel behind reception and the flowers fall on top of him. Oh, it
1: was a whole kerfuffle.
0: Yeah, you needed John Gordon Sinclair in there as well. (laughs) Classic John Gordon Sinclair shtick. And Polly's calmly relating all of this information on what's going on to Sybil on the phone. Oh, he And it, she just sort of finishes finish very deadpan with, well, everything else is fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I won't tell her anything.
0: Hello, 40 to The next scene's the next morning. And actually, actually she comes up on the screen, it doesn't it? It tells us. Morning. I yeah. quite like
1: that. It came, it came up in, in little words at the bottom of the screen.
0: Little 70s typeface. Next morning. Yeah. So Basil's still failing at putting this moose head up and one of the antlers is sort of hanging off now and it just looks awful. But it's, it's nearly 12 o'clock and it's time for the scheduled fire alarm that Sybil mentioned in the exposition yeah. at the start of the episode.
1: I'm already feeling quite anxious before we talk about this because it just went from bad to worse.
0: It's pretty awful. It was. The ignoramus guests don't seem to have read the notice to Basil's irritation. They don't really know there is a fire alarm, most of them. To compound that, Sybil's still phoning and nagging, and and Basil discovers she's moved the key to the uh, to the fire alarm. Yeah. And the way the first plays out, Basil has to go and retrieve something from the safe. I'm not actually sure what was that the key.
1: Was the key supposed to be on top of the fire alarm box, but she'd put it elsewhere? And it, I think it was in the safe.
0: But well, he would have needed a key to get into to get the in safe the... to get the key. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. But um. The way it pans out, she's also, Sybil, turns on the burglar alarm for the safe. So when he opens the safe, the burglar alarm goes off and that results in the guest mistaking it for the pre-planned fire drill and they start sort of filing out. Yeah. And and Basil handles this with his usual tact and and decorum, doesn't he, saying, what are you doing, what are you doing, and ranting and raving at them.
1: Again, he's hyper-focused on the job in hand, but when Hmm. something else takes over, that's when he loses the plot because he's not able to focus on the other thing that's going on that shouldn't be going on in his head
0: yeah he's a flapper and he's gonna yeah. really concentrate one thing at a time yeah in, in in many ways he reminds me of my own dad who sometimes listens to this podcast so i'll say no more hi <laughs> hi, hi hi martin <laughs> there's loads of misunderstanding that the major thinks seems to think there's a burglar in the hotel and one of the guests says what drill i didn't hear a drill
1: oh yeah it has got very chaotic
0: but Basil's such an unreasonable human being because he he can't understand why they would think it was the fire drill because yeah. the fire drill's a semitone higher than the burglar alarm. Oh, jeez.
1: <laughs> he even plays out both alarms so that they can sort of spot the difference, but I couldn't tell the difference, yeah. so no wonder.
0: Well, I don't what's a semi-tone difference, I think. But <sighs> how are you supposed to know that without exactly. having, ever having heard them? Mm. The guests are almost being deliberately obtuse. I can understand his frustration with them. They seem a bit thick, most of them.
1: Just trying to, just misunderstanding on purpose.
0: It culminates in him calling Miss Tibbs an old fool, doesn't it? I know. It? Oh dear. But once he's once he's demoed these two ever so slightly different sounding bells, the big laugh moment comes when he turns off the fire bell and there's like a, a perfectly timed microsecond of peace and quiet before the telephone bell <laughs> rings again. Yes. And he just goes berserk, doesn't he? Because it's obviously Sybil. Thank you so much. I have to upstairs. What's happening now? Now <laughs> and he says to the, he says to the guests, "The fire drill will commence in thirty seconds, and then they just stand around, yeah, and he says, Well, you're just going to stand there? Is that what you would be doing?" And he gets really annoyed, and they like, they quite reasonably say, Well, if there's going to be an alarm in the next well, master, seconds, well, why would we go anyway?
1: Yeah, just wait for it.
0: he says, Well, I don't know why we bother. we should let you all burn." <laughs>
1: Honestly, he he really does struggle. He really does struggle when there's um, moments of chaos.
0: It was quite a good cut at that point, because the moment he says, we we should let you all burn, it cuts to Manuel, who is, oh, at that moment, yep. on fire, in the <laughs> kitchen. Of course. Due to his inability to cook chips.
1: This was when Andrew Sachs mm. got burnt in real life. Is that right?
0: That's right, yeah. yeah. Right. Poor bastard, and he had... Oh, it wasn't second degree burns, was it? But the, the person at Great Ormond Street, as we discussed in another episode, told him he'd have scars for life.
1: Great Ormond Street? Is that not the children's hospital?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not been Great, great Ormond Street. I know he's small. Yeah. <laughs> it was a special, special ward just for little Spanish waiters. <laughs> great Ormond Street.
1: <laughs> it was Harley Street. Harley Street.
0: And there's a street involved. <laughs> johnny depp turns up as um as the pirate to cheer him up <laughs> oh dear <laughs> oh well oh. but we, we've covered that
1: we have there's lots of to in and throwing in and out of the kitchen while mm. faulty's trying to keep the door shut insisting that there's not a fire and Manuel's trying to get out because there is <laughs> there is a fire and he's burning <laughs> yeah. to death and he, at this point he's he's like hysterical he's he's blaming god he's he's doing anything to to avoid the fact that there is a fire in the kitchen and this is getting serious
0: well he he locked poor manuel in the kitchen yeah when when he eventually acquiesces and, and unlocks it because one of the guests complains about the noise manuel's reaction is to say oh mr Fotty, you saved me he you saved Fawlty. me he almost yeah. killed you, you daft bugger yes
1: yeah but there's a scene in the reception then where um Faulty is trying to turn the fire he's trying to start the fire alarm and he throws his typewriter to set the fire alarm off and mi- completely misses. Yeah. But then gets the fire extinguisher and this is where the problems start for for Faulty because he he doesn't know how to work it. Manuel gets involved and then he squirts himself in the face with with the fire extinguisher and the pan that Manuel's got hold of ends up smashing faulty around the head.
0: Is that why he passed out, was it?
1: Yes, because oh, okay. he, he, as, he, as he stands up from squirting himself in the face, Manuel's frying pan catches him on the back of the head, and that's what results in him being taken into the same hospital in the same room as, as Sybil, by the looks of it. In bizarrely. the ingrowing
0: toenail ward.
1: In the Yeah!
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. 70s hospitals, eh?
1: Just one room have to take it in turns. it's just
0: it's like a quick fit workshop
1: do everything <laughs> yeah. in one place and he's got his, his head bandaged when when we'd see him in the hospital bed his head's bandaged really randomly
0: it is a bit yeah it's, it's done for comedy i think it's yeah so he looks like a pint of guinness doesn't he <laughs> it's weird but he, when he wakes up he does some great eye acting
1: he does he does lots of peeping and and sort of winking and eyes rolling back in his head. Yeah.
0: Yeah, all sorts of. We- I don't know why I'm doing it. Nobody can see. It you.
1: I can see it. I appreciate <laughs> the eyes. The eyes.
0: And Sybil quite dryly says, "Well, thank you for coming to see me, Basil."
1: Oh no, blimey! Oh God, I bet she was well pissed off.
0: Well, the poor bug is drugged up to the eyeballs and he's concussed, isn't he? He's he doesn't yes. know what's going on. He's ranting and raving about the fire extinguisher and the fire. And he doesn't know where he is. He thinks he's at reception briefly in the hotel. And then, of course, his nemesis, the matron sister. Yes. He comes in and he's like, don't touch me. I don't know where you've been.
1: Yeah, he's so rude to her.
0: And followed by, my God, you're ugly. Horrid. I suppose that's a bit like when you're drunk though, isn't it? Like people lose their a monologue and just say things yeah, out loud. Yeah,
1: just say it out loud. Yeah, he's, he's very
0: rude to her. It's interesting though that his immediate deference to the doctor comes to the fore when the doctor comes in. He pipes down and behaves himself mm. when the doctor comes in again, yeah. due to the status of doctors. Yes, he did what they were told.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But there's this weird sort of thing where he does a falling asleep act, which wouldn't fool anyone. No. And the the, the doctor uses some strange, weird Vulcan death grip. Just wobbles his head. Yeah. To make him fall asleep, as if as if he was hypnotising him or something. <laughs> Not very convincing, but he's faked it. Of course, we see uh, the famous GIF of him opening his eye manically yes. yeah. when he realises everyone's out of the way. Sybil's left, presumably wheeled out.
1: Yeah, she did. She got. I think the, the, as the doctor wheeled her out, he he bumped her against all sorts of things trying to get her out of the room.
0: And then we're into the third act because I very much consider this a three-act episode.
1: It felt like um like a like a stage play almost, didn't it? Like mm. it, the 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 change of of time. Over the over the episode.
0: Back at the hotel everything seems to be running smoothly without Basil as you might expect. What a shocker. Polly's conversing competently with the German guests. Yes. And everything seems to be going swimmingly. Until Basil walks in with the bandage on his head and he sort of greets Manuel but then starts calling him dear. Cause oh he thinks it's God. Sybil. He says you go and yeah. have a lie down, dear. To Manuel, he's clearly all over the place at this point. It's banged
1: on the head. He's banged on the head. Really has sort of muddled him up a little bit, hasn't it? More than usual.
0: Well, you can see from a writer's perspective that if they're going to have this guy be- behave in such an appalling way to the Germans, they need to go beyond their usual their usual plot device of having Basil yes. be awkward. Then yes. He needs to, He needs to have something quite seriously wrong with him to behave in this way. Something's got
1: to have gone wrong in order for him to behave in this way, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and, and Manuel knows that something's wrong, so he's like, mm. I go get Polly. Yeah. And he says, I've already had one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I go get Polly, <laughs> I've already had one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's got his hospital gown underneath his suit still as well.
0: Oh, I didn't notice that, did he?
1: I think I think I, you couldn't see his, sh- his shirt. It looked like the hospital gown and he just put his suit over the top. Yeah. Oh, God.
0: The Germans come to reception, or oh, one set of Germans. Yeah. They're, they're speaking in German to him and he doesn't know what they're saying and until the wife says, do you speak English?
1: Yeah.
0: And he says, oh, German. I'm sorry, I thought there was something wrong with you. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> but they're, they're saying something like, Bier Wollen... Or to meet him or something? Yeah. Where can I I hire a car, I think?
1: I think it was something to do with the car, yes. But then Basil thinks it's something to do with buying meat. He takes it very, very literally. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, He thinks they're volunteering to go out and get some meat and he says, we have meat here in (laughs) the building.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's speaking with a German accent, but loudly.
0: Yeah. Which is,
1: um, yeah, how some English people cope in a foreign country.
0: Polly shows up. And uh, uh, this is the first point that Basil utters the words, don't mention the war. Yes. <laughs> Polly tries to get Basil to have a lie down. And the old ladies tell him they don't think he's very well either, don't they?
1: Mm.
0: And he says, well, perhaps not, but I'll live longer than you. Oh, God, he's, just get, he's, he's
1: getting mean and um, muddled and um, and racist.
0: <laughs> but then the, the new set of Germans come down, don't they? And he, he, he decides to start miming to them about, oh, I can get yeah. you a drink before your meal. And these Germans are fully um, fluent in English, and they sort of say, "Can we help you?"
1: <laughs> he's very happy that they speak English, and he he says, "Wonderful, wunderbar. So he he has to always show them that he's that he's that he's got some kind of willingness to 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 speak their language, and that he perhaps mm. does it a bit more than they're anticipating. He, he, or that he, they're
0: comfortable he, with.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But then. This is where the series of Accidental War mentions Aww. ensue, isn't it? You get about three in 20 seconds. Yeah. Oh, and some of them are really sort of a stretch. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. The, the first one is, was, I'd like to welcome you all, you war, you all war.
1: Yeah. Bit honed. Yeah.
0: And he says, would you like a drink before the war? Uh, before dinner. And then it's, uh, he says, I've got shrapnel in the war. Korean! <laughs> so... They're coming thick and fast at this point. He seats them down for their meal. He welcomes them and says, it's nice to have some Europeans there. He said, I didn't vote for it myself, quite honestly, but now we're in, I'm determined to make it work.
1: Should have just stopped right there and end of the episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, before Brexit could ruin it, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So as he takes their order, he declares the veal is vealy good.
1: He says, stop talking about the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the and the guest said, well, you started it. To which he replies, no, we didn't. Yes, you did, by invading Poland.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, the German lady's sobbing.
1: Yeah, she's like face down on the table.
0: I mean, at one point, he's, he's just trotting off a list of Nazis. He's just saying yeah. Goebbels, yes.
1: Goering, yeah.
0: Himmler. The one line here which I thought wasn't as clumsy as the others and and was really quite well-crafted, was, I'll get your hors d'oeuvres. hors d'oeuvres, which must be made at all times. <laughs> I quite like that one. <laughs> but yeah, most of them were just really crowbarred in. You know, I'm not saying I could have done better. I don't know, some of them... Am I being harsh, saying I, I expect better at the Booth and Cleese writing team?
1: It, it, it's quite a short scene. Um, I think before I watched, I was sort of expecting this to this sort of... The behaviour of faulty to carry on throughout the episode but it's quite a short scene really isn't it mm. he, he has the, the the head accident with the frying pan and then this is literally a few minutes at the end of the episode
0: hm mm. there's no Germans turn up till the 23rd minute
1: no so it's so it is it is right pushed to the very end we get the hitler impression at this stage as well don't we with the goose stepping
0: well, Polly tries to circumvent that by trying to convince him to do Jimmy Cagney, but it's it's
1: no. And she can see it coming. She can see what's happening. She can see what's what's coming next.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. And the German says, "Go away." He sort of sings it, <laughs> "Go away." <on there."> yeah. <laughs> but he, yeah, he does. The, he does the the whole, who's stepping war. Who's this then? And starts puts his finger across his tash and
1: uh-huh.
0: walks around. He doesn't need to do that because he's got a tash.
1: Yeah, his excuse as well for doing it is that he's trying to cheer this girl up that's crying. And he says, I'm trying to cheer up, you stupid kraut."
0: Probably why it was still controversial when it aired in yeah. April.
1: Because
0: mm. it's a type of language that we don't, you know, isn't acceptable now to be using. I mean, it's there's a very thin line between racism and xenophobia, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But it's sort of, the Doctor turns up at this point, doesn't he? And we get sort of Benny Hill-style chase ensuing.
1: Yeah, through the through the reception.
0: Yeah, he uses all of the sets in the show. Yes. Apart from the yeah. bar, possibly. And uh, eventually it ends with the moose head falling on top of Basil and knocking him unconscious. Thank God. Yes, and then, and then the Major starts having a conversation with Basil and <laughs> the moose. And then the last line, of course, is the Germans stood there saying, however, did they win? Yeah. Which, of course, the answer to which is the Americans.
1: There we go. Unseen. <laughs>
0: Very much a three act episode, like I say. Mm. You know, you got the setup at the beginning, the meltdown of the fire alarm, and then Basil's awful behaviour went concussed. I'm interested to know how this went over in Germany because folklore would have have it that this episode was one of the most popular of the series when it first aired in Germany in the 90s. Really, but I've got German friends who are off. i don't know, I'm going to say off Cleese's age now. They're they're 60ish. Yeah. They've lived here a long time, and the way they tell it, in Germany, it's the source of a real national shame. Still, and they do their utmost not to talk about the war or Hitler or any of those things, which does sound reasonable. So you can't imagine this going over too well to be going on about Himmler and Goering and all of those guys.
1: Absolutely, it it would it it would make me feel uncomfortable, especially the seventies wasn't that long after the end of the second world war and yeah there's a definite discomfort i think
0: well it was nearer to the second world war then than we are to that episode airing so that episode
1: now. yeah yeah
0: so i'd be quite interested if anyone is listening to this from germany according to our podcast stats we have a couple of german downloads every week
1: that yeah that would be interesting
0: get in touch and let us know when basil is impersonating hitler apparently he shouts the german sentence ich kann mit einem I hoffel Toten. Do you know what that translates as? I don't.
1: I don't know what that means.
0: I can kill bats with an egg spoon.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Just a load of nonsense that he learned. Yeah. Apparently, he's he's quite fluent in German, John Cleese. Ah, right. Um, the other interesting little tidbit about this one is that in 2006, John released a song called "Don't Mention the World Cup."
1: Oh God
0: in in preparation for the 2006 world cup which was held in germany. Yes. The video is on youtube. It's pretty cringe. Mm. But the I think the sentiment behind it was pretty good because it was effectively a way of encouraging the english and the australians who had both qualified. Yeah. Not not to go on about the war when they visited germany for the world cup. Oh okay. Right.
1: Because it's
0: it's a big no-no in germany I've, I've always believed which is why I yeah. struggled to believe that this episode went down so well. Yeah. Yeah, so German authorities supported the song as a way to dissuade supporters of the England and Australia national football teams from displaying Nazi symbols, which is you can get arrested for, it's a big thing. God. Or gestures during the World Cup. The song was also intended to get England fans to refrain from using rude words towards Germans. Okay. So you'd assume they weren't using soundbites of Basil Fawlty calling anyone a crow. Yeah. At this point. God. Interesting. Did you manage to pick out any bric-a-brac in this one?
1: I did, and it's not somebody's face this week. Exactly. Is it the moose's head? <laughs> it's not the moose's head, no. It was, um, the the item of bric-a-brac that I picked was the candlewick bedspread. Right. From the hospital, because I, when I think of candlewick bedspreads, I think of being little and being tucked into um, a, a single bed with a candlewick bedspread as, as something left over from the 70s which were they were like embroidered raised they had like raised knots of embroidery which like created a pattern on the on the top and they were quite cozy but they were very 60s and 70s kind of um bedroom wear i think
0: Mm. yeah would you would you have one of those today were you enamored with it
1: no no, not at all no they just make me feel a bit uncomfortable
0: because there's, there's a lot of things you talk about fashion-wise where you're like, I could see that working today, but not this... Yeah, um... not,
1: not the candlewick bedspread. No, no. <laughs> what about yourself? Did you pick anything?
0: I, I actually fell asleep a bit when... It, well, no, I did pick something. I'll come on to it. I didn't fall asleep at all. I did pick something. But I, I forgot to look for things in the hospital, which would have been a nice change of scene.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Because you you and I are stranger to hospitals.
1: Yeah.
0: I suppose it would. it's interesting to see the difference between a hospital in the 70s in a hospital today
1: similar colored walls I think I think they still still. or whether it's just that our hospital our local hospital here is just like it's never moved on from the 70s so it's still got that that minty green paint on
0: the walls possibly yeah yeah I think a lot of hospitals are like little sort of time warps aren't they
1: yeah yeah it's supposed to make you feel calm I think those colors but they actually fill me with mild peril
0: Hmm. well it's yeah Subjective to your experience, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. I know. Um. I was more preoccupied with the different attitude towards the doctor. Yes. When it comes to the hospital, I mean, my my experiences in hospitals of the latter years have been to do with prostate trouble. Yeah. And I find I find that the doctors don't get given the respect that they used to get given at no. all. So
1: the fact that they have to put signs up in hospitals to say "do not abuse the staff." Mm. on like A four sheets of paper stuck all over the walls. Like don't don't be an arsehole to, to the to, to the staff here. It's it's quite telling.
0: Tells its own story, doesn't it? It does. I think when I went last time I went in I had to have um my prostate checked straight away and the, the yeah. red the registrar came to do it. It was like a young lad who Yeah maybe not long at a medical school and they thought, Oh yeah. fucking, that was my lucky day, I'm gonna gonna have to stick my finger up this big fat man's arsehole. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to put him at ease by making a joke of it. So when he went in, I went, oh, that's the ticket. Oh, Ben. He, <laughs> he popped out. It was sort of like a oh, sound as he came out. Like, yes, yes, everything's is it. fine.
1: <laughs> oh, and then he quit and worked at ASDA. Yeah. So did you pick any bric-a-brac?
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was what we were <laughs> doing. Yeah, bric brac um, Yes, I did. I picked the ashtray.
1: All oh, right. Was it like a glass? Yeah, uh, like, a, like a blown
0: glass. Exactly, yeah. You'd always yeah. see ashtrays, wouldn't you, in the 70s and 80s and even 90s. There'd be all sorts of different ashtrays, but you're right, this one was like the blown glass one. Was it um, like a
1: brown one? Was it like a brown...
0: It was just just sort of see-through glass colour.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, it wasn't like the, the ones you get in pubs, like the green ones with John yes. Smith's written on them. Yeah. But you, <laughs> you don't see them anymore because smoking's not allowed in... Him bars anymore so no it just struck me off not necessarily off the time because they were around well into the 80s and 90s but yeah mm. definitely not now
1: i saw something the other day when i that, that referenced um when you'd make something some, like a kid of our age in primary school doing like pottery or doing something with regards to arts and crafts and you'd you'd, you'd make an ashtray mm, an ashtray yeah. was quite a quite a, a reasonable thing to have to have been asked to <laughs> to make in primary school to take home. My mum my mum used out the one that I made for, for years.
0: I suppose nowadays it'd be the equivalent of getting kids to make a bong, wouldn't it? <laughs> to take <laughs> home, to the, to the stone I'm
1: gonna make that recommendation to um to my kids' high
0: school, I think. But I mean what sort of sort of primary school does glass blowing anyway?
1: We didn't make glass ones. it was a pottery oh. one.
0: Oh sorry. And it was varnished.
1: Yeah, it was varnished and yeah it, it ended up in a right state <laughs> we didn't do glass blowing.
0: Imagine that glass blowing at 10. <laughs> okay, should we have a little trip over to Fashion Corner?
1: Yes, let's do that. There's plenty to say. Well, well it's time, time to take a, take a little trip, trip, to trip, to trip to the place, place that longer was was hip. It's Fashion Corner. It's Fashion Corner. It's Fashion Corner. It's Fashion, Corner, Fashion Corner. Corner. So, there was lots of um, uniform... Not really worth a mention in Fashion Corner, I don't think. The Doctor had a white coat on and the sister on the ward had, like, a matron's uniform on. Very much of the profession and of the the time. Uh, But in the reception, when the the guests come down for the, the fire drill, which isn't a fire drill initially, but turns out to be the fire drill, there's a lady who... It's an actress, Claire Davenport, who played... She's not referenced in the scene, but Miss Wilson. I only found this out by looking at the credits at the end. She's the lady that's in reception. She's the the, the, the larger lady. She's got like a gray coat, but every, all her accessories are bright pink. So she's got bright pink gloves on. She's got bright pink earrings, a scarf, a pocket square. She's also got like a pearl bracelet on as well. And she stood out because the the, the, the accessories against the, the grey coat that she had on were quite striking. And you can't miss her because she's the only one in that scene really that's sort of chiff-chattering with, mm, with Fawlty. Very
0: striking isn't um,
1: she? She is, she is. Next to her, there's a, a, an uncredited member of the cast. It's a lady and she's wearing lime green flat fronted trousers and like a patterned floral shirt and a collared white belt no not collared white belt at all a white belt around around the trousers but just that outfit despite the fact that it did look of that time and you could you could definitely reference that it was of the 70s that is i can i can sort of picture sort of high-end fashion brands having that advertising clothes of of a similar style in, in recent years definitely like I want to say um, like Versace that 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 kind of that kind of look but um, the, the very sort of the, the green was almost like a kermit green I, I know that that's not a real colour but very very striking a very very striking colour. Miss Tibbs and Miss Gatsby come down they're dressed up. Mm. Dress up to the nines for a fire drill. Miss Gatsby in particular has this like rust coloured jacket and and hat with flowers in it's like you know like if you if you drew an old lady and you were a kid and you'd, you'd draw like a plant pot hat with flowers coming out of it She's that's what she had on um with beads sort of to to accessorize the outfit she, she looked very very cool very sweet
0: they're always they're always jangling beads around those two though, aren't
1: they? They are. They're very. They're always very dressed up. They're always dressed for as if they're going as if they're going out. Even if they're just coming down for dinner, they're always dressed up.
0: You don't think it's representative of anal play that the major's doing with them?
1: I, I'm gonna say no.
0: Okay, fair enough. Just positing <laughs> an idea. That's all.
1: One of the German guests, the one that that ends up face down on the table crying. She's in like a full-on peach outfit. It's like a peasant blouse, elasticated around the waist, and matching trousers. So she's in like a one colour, but looks. She she looks very elegant, very 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 elegant. And Polly has, she's sort of out of her normal powder blue uniform that she tends to wear um, while she's working. She's in like a sage green cardigan dress. It's got like a tie around the neck. She looks very smart, and she's. I don't know whether it's sort of Connie Boo's colouring, but a lot of a lot of greens seem to really suit her. Um, so that yeah, that was it. That's it for the, for for this week's fashion corner.
0: I did think there was a lot of very bright colours on display at that fire drill.
1: Yes, yes. The the, the pinks of, of um. She called Miss Wilson. She, that, that was very striking. She looked very striking. You bastard if you're enjoying what we're doing here at sado uh, we have a facebook page that you can find by searching sado podcast and we also have a growing facebook group that you can join and contribute to with discussions or memes or rarities that you find uh, you can also vote for the subject matter of our forthcoming series three which will be out later this year subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website which is saddle.club and you can get more information about us read the blog uh, shout us a coffee and listen to episodes if you don't do podcast apps You can also watch the original episodes that we discuss on our episode notes pages um, or take our good life quiz. Get in touch and email us at sadopodcast at gmail dot com and subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from.
0: Thanks to the um, individual last week who let us know that we uh, misstepped and didn't mention that Ronald, the diner with the wrong shaped chips, was also the young boy that... Margot Ledbetter called a horrid child in the um, Sound of Music episode of The Good Life. Oh,
1: thank you for that. That is, yeah, that's a definite, that um, de- definitely needs to mention.
0: You ghastly child, sorry, not horrid child.
1: Yes. Oh, that's one of my favourites.
0: Only two roles that fella had before he then grew up and became a chef. Oh.
1: It's so a
0: very remiss of us.
1: It is, absolutely.
0: So next week is Series 2, Episode 1, which I don't know if you're going to enjoy. Do you know which one it is?
1: I can't remember which one it is. What? Is it. Um,
0: that was a clue.
1: Yeah. Is it something about miscommunication?
0: Uh, communication problems, yeah. Mrs. There Richards. We go. With a malfunctioning hearing aid.
1: Yeah. Oh, what?
0: So, so, some great lines in it, though. Is this a part of your brain? Yes. Oh. So, that's the first episode of series two, and we'll discuss that next week. Until then. Me. Who loves you, baby? Holy hold.
1: Don't mention the World Cup.